For relaxing times, make it Suntory times. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Imaginary Movie Podcast, a podcast where we watch a movie and then we uh, riff about it. My name's David and please God, get me into this hotel smoking cigars and drinking whiskey. Rich white people problems. And I'm joined by... Hello, I'm Sam and Mushy Mushy. And I'm Ross. For the best podcast... Make it an imaginary movie podcast. <laughs> nice, nice. Good, so unless you haven't already guessed, uh, we watched 2003's film Lost in Translation, uh, which stars um, Bill Murray in perhaps his best performance <laughs> ever and Scarlett Johansson in one of her earlier performances. Her earliest, her, her, her 17-year-old Scarlett Johansson, which is which She is had amazing. things before this. She was, she was a known... Yeah, but I think her first, her first proper role, you know, first starring role. I, I couldn't I think, believe definitely. she was that young. You guys mentioned to me, like, text me this night. I couldn't believe it. Um, do, you, do you know what it was? I was watching it thinking, and I've, I've seen this movie before, thinking, God, there's something weird about mm. Scarlett Johansson in this because this is an actor that we've seen in loads and loads of stuff since. And I was like, What is it? What's so weird? And you were like, Oh, she's seventeen. I was like, Oh, she's a child. <laughs> she's, she's a, a child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a minor. That's what it is. Yeah. Because she's um, playing, she's playing a twenty-year-old, isn't she? Which I think is really quite convincing that she's playing someone who's, who's so much, you know, a, a bit older than her. But yeah, I, I was shocked as well when I learned that. It did strike an odd chord with me then when I thought about the very first scene of the movie that it's her arse thinly veiled by her underwear, and I was like, is that? <laughs> yeah. Is that all right? Is that is that okay? I don't know, Ross. I watched Taxi Driver this week, so I feel like my bar is <laughs> all over the yeah. place. Just that first shot, we I was watching it with uh, my wife Nicola, and she was she was like, "Why? Why is that the first shot of the movie?" I was like, "You know yeah. why. You know why. There's no need to overthink it." This is what you came for, Nicola. <laughs> <laughs> so let's this get into is what this. you get. <laughs> the, 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 let's get into this movie, um, Lost in Translation, two thousand three, directed by uh, Sofia Coppola. And in this film, we see a faded movie star and a neglected young woman form, um, forming an unlikely bond after crossing paths in a Tokyo hotel. And and it's it's one of those it's one of those quite peculiar movies. I think you know maybe maybe not what you're expecting if you've never seen it before. I think maybe that includes you, Ross. Um, and a film that is is trying to it's trying to say something, isn't it? It's trying to say it's trying to explore ideas and themes. And I think it's one of those movies. I can't remember what we did. We called it like a, a universe movie, Dave. Is that what we called it previously? Where it's you just sort of that, yeah. You like want you want to just kind of, of exist of. in the world. You know, that's what's there. It's presenting a world, and and it's there for the viewer just to kind of take things in. Um, but I think there's a lot of depth to this as well, which I which is why why I kind of kind of like we'll it. We'll certainly get into them. I Sam. I think I think this is quite an quite an an art movie. And I don't mean artsy, although that could certainly be levelled at it. I mean an art movie. We talked. Uh, we talked before. This is shot on film, and and it's just lovely to look at. Like mm. <laughs> you know, and that's part of the reason why I, I really enjoy this film. Generally, is number one. It's under two hours long, and my God, we've done a lot of two hour movies. <laughs> yeah. <probably>. Um, <laughs> and whatever criticism anyone could level at this, it is a tight one o two minutes. Thank the Lord. Um, and and it it's just kind of like it's like an eye towel. You wrap your eyes in a lovely towel. That sounds horrible, but <laughs> I hope out. my meaning is is bled through there. An um, eye this towel. This is like a cozy sort of like. <laughs> Doctor Dave is in here. Let me wrap that eyeball in a towel. Listen, I'm very tired, and and my. Oh, are, 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 are your eyes tired, Dave? Here, I've got a great, I've got a great cure off. for that. Here, come come take this so towel. This, Rest your eyes. This film. 
this film for Dave is like a cure for a burn victim. That's what he's saying. That's, that's... <laughs> Just rubbing aloe vera into his fucking retinas. What I'm saying is that this film is shot in very natural light. It's a very pleasant movie to watch. It's not jarring. It's not... You could almost watch this film with your eyes half open and like just sort of be swept away in 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 the actual. Film. I do get yeah. I do get what you're in saying in terms of like the the things that you're seeing on the screen and the way it, in which it is shot. This isn't a film that you know there are no loud bangs and you know there's nothing visually or or like um, no water um, sounds shocking in this. Exactly, it's it's just like quite a quiet, sedate. Uh, you know, movie about basically Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson looking at each other, which is fantastic. Was... But that's kind of what so, it is. So, so we, we've we've seen this. Um, we've both both seen before. Um, but Ross, you haven't. So, what's what's let, let's begin with you in terms of your like first impressions. Then, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I just wanted to touch on what what Dave mentioned there about, about the sort of the aesthetic of the movie because when I was watching it, I noticed. Uh, because for what, it's an odd sort of uh, combination where you have it's it's in widescreen, so the ratio is sixteen to nine. But I also saw the you know like the grainy sort of you know uh, effect, cuts or effects that you'd you'd get on uh, uh, you know uh, recording on physical film, and so that's why I went then to check you know what year it came out because I thought this was a relatively recent film. I thought it was like you know two thousand you know fourteen or something like that. But it, and then I realised then it was two thousand three. So I think. So yeah, so I did something similar, Ross. Where I thought two thousand and three was fairly recent, <laughs> and then I realised what year it was. We're we're dreadfully old, Dave. We're fucking. We're we've got one foot in the grave. Um, but to be honest, Sam, my impressions of this because I went in expecting not to like it, and then the first half of the movie really surprised me and it grabbed me, and I was I was really enthralled. Partly because I, you know I'm I actually quite like Japanese culture, uh, like watching that. Um, uh, you know, going to Japan is actually one of the my, my dream destinations for a holiday. But and I was really enjoying the sort of the, the scenes there, and the, uh, I I did think that how they portrayed the sort of the contrast of the culture at times is a little bit. Uh, I don't think xenophobic. I think xenophobic is way too strong a word, but I think it was a, a, at times a bit condescending. Well, there oh, were yes. certain. Um, just to sort of, I don't want to mean to stop you here, Ross, but we'll we'll circle <clears> back. <throat> but there were certainly criticisms levelled at this when it was released as well. Oh right, that it, it doesn't doesn't favourably um, represent um, Japanese culture or yeah. people, and I think that's kind of fair because I don't think what's one quote I read is that um, at no point in this film does anyone Japanese get a shred of dignity. Yeah, and I think that's that's maybe quite a fair. That is fair. Yeah, I mean, the, the it's classic that... Orientalism, isn't it? It's yeah. classic Orientalism. You know, really but is it? It it, the sh- it it relies on the tropes of what Western look at think these of wacky Japan. Asians. Yeah, yeah, and and, yeah. and that's and that's maybe like it's maybe the point, mm-hmm. um, but also you can't really ignore it <laughs> at the same time. You know, you can't really. Yeah, I think it could have been handled a little bit better. Like there were some scenes, like uh, you know that scene where he's where he's shooting the advert, and you know the director is you know giving him, him this tirade of instructions and then the woman will say he wants you to turn you know that is funny it, you know that was actually entertaining you don't need to then you know the photo shoot then he's like oh lodger more you know lodger more i was like don't come on man <laughs> you know lodger more that's that's a bit tight they go they go they that go hard scene yeah on on, on yeah Japanese you know uh, frank sinatra i really do yeah it's yeah. stop doing the accent, Ross, please. We'll get banned. <laughs> I'm quoting um, the movie. That wasn't me. I just recorded but, it. <laughs> I know, but it's like that scene is one of the like we're gonna be all over the place in this podcast, so let's just double down here. That scene is is kind of I feel I have really strong feelings in both directions about that scene. On the one hand, it is admittedly with a sledgehammer, kind of forcing Bill Murray into this this film is Strangers in a Strange Land, and that's kind of its thing. Is, is for this plot to work, Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray need to be totally cut off from everything around them. And this scene is the scene that sort of like establishes that for Bill Murray. It's, it's, and it's the titular line lost in translation and it's this director giving quite like long, and if you look up the translation as well, like, you know, reasonably on the money sort of like instructions to him, like turn, I want you to sizzle, I want you to do this, I want you to do that. Um... And it's this translator basically saying he wants you to turn yeah. to the left, 
and and that's kind of like the the tropey thing of you know that's why Bill Murray feels so disconnected is because like he's not actually speaking to like for instance in this situation the people he's working with he's just getting like a you know a very base level interaction and it's really difficult well, as a human to sort of you may be misunderstanding that. the idea because I was actually I was I was referencing that particular scene you know filming advert as one of the better examples of because it was a, it was a slightly entertaining scene you know, with, with his reaction, oh, but it, it, by contrast, then the scene where you know they're doing the photo shoot with the whiskey, and the photographer's giving him directions, and the photographer's you know replacing the R's for L's and vice versa, and you know. Ah, uh, no, you are. I see yeah. what you mean. Um, so yeah, so I think at times the the the, the try showing the, the contrast between the East and West culture was a little bit condescending at times. Um, but yeah, I mean, the first half of this movie, like I said, grabbed me. Um, and I think, you know, the like you guys rightfully pointed out, the term about isolation and being in a sort of in a new land, uh, you know, alone. I mean, I can identify with that myself. Like when I moved over to uh, England, I moved over by myself and I knew no one. Uh, I know there's not that much of a culture difference, but... And they spoke a different language. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we pronounce our consonants where I come they from. They called anyway, it... We're not... We're not going to dredge that up, but yeah, so it, but so it did resonate with me uh, on a personal level. So I, I did quite get that, um, and it was it was I don't know what the term I don't know what the word is like I don't know if it's endearing or it was a sort of uh, a pleasure to watch. You know, these two strangers sort of uh, find that common ground and 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 you know uh, spark a friendship from it. Unfortunately for me, the movie. Uh, you know, if, at the like half mar- halfway mark or at the fifty minute mark, it just it slammed on the brakes for me, and it uh, it it was a struggle for me to watch the second half. And I'm really uh, I'm really sad about that because, again, the first half for me grabbed me so much, and I wanted to see more. And I love what they were showing about Japan. You guys mentioned the <clears throat> the you know the free filming shots. You know that were sort of like improvised. I was loving all that, but yeah. Um, after that karaoke scene, it just stopped dead for me, and it was it was a struggle for me to continue watching. It's a tricky <clears> sort <throat> of movie, this, and, and and I'm not sure we've done a film like this yet, in that this doesn't really follow the the narrative structure that you expect a film to follow. Um, I hate to refer us back to High Rise because I know that was a very contentious issue. I thought it was done with High Rise in a similar way <laughs> to High Rise. It kind of seems like Sofia Coppola had a list of, you know, scenes that she, you know, that she wanted, and then so they just filmed them, and that's the movie. And and by all accounts, and from what I've read, that does seem to be the case. It's literally what they did. There yeah. was never a. That's literally what they did, and 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 the film comes across that way. And I think if it works for you, it works for you. And I think if it doesn't, it doesn't. I would agree, Ross, that there is, a, and loads of movies suffer from this. Is that second half drag. You get to like, in this film, for the, for instance, you get to like 50, 55 minutes, like you said, and the film kind of grinds to a halt. Now, I wouldn't even begin to know where to suggest fixing no, it. No, nor I, like nor I. Because, because it doesn't follow that narrative structure. It, isn't, it doesn't stop dead because we're having exposition about the third act. It just kind of, it slows Fizzles down. It, because it's, because yeah. the scenes that they're doing are much slower, much more introspective scenes. And, and because we're not really getting anywhere, because there isn't a, a big climactic sort of end to this movie in, in a traditional sense. Well, for sense. me, the last 10 minutes think... actually ramped up again, you know, when it's, it's you know, when she's wanting him to stay, he, know, he, he knows he has to go. That's sort of ramped up for me again, and it it do, does tug on the heartstrings a little bit, where obviously this, this platonic sort of, you know, friendship or love, you know, the, and the, they know they're going to sort of, you know, they're going to miss each other, probably never going to see each other again. So for me, that it did uh, sort of grab my attention again, but for you know between you know the fifty-one minute mark to you know that you know the ninety-minute mark, you could have cut that out and you know stapled those last ten minutes on. <laughs> for me, anyway. Can I can I can I maybe offer a, a little bit of a defence of this because I I think you're right that there is it does slow down and there is there is a sense of it being quite a meandering movie as well. Um, I think it's by design. You know, I think this is a really, really precisely made movie. You know, it's like cut glass. It is just, it's so sharp and raw. And I think that the that 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 first introduction is is like setting you up for the film. And it's and the first the first bit is very much about like 
you seeing the world through the, the, these characters' eyes. You're seeing Japan, and you're you're almost experiencing what they do in terms of like how visceral it feels. Um, in in and you're in this crazy country, and there's all these mad things happening, and and I think that's what it's about. And I think the second part of this movie, and I think you can't really maybe split it into like a three act structure, but the second half, which is where I do you do get that slow down. I think it's about it's about the film kind of going a little bit more internal on the characters and you're trying you're, you're seeing much more of, of their you know the, the cogs in their head heads working and so when you get to that point after the karaoke bar where that's the kind of like peak of the uh, peak of their relationship isn't it and from there you see almost the crash back to reality um, and you see the realization that what they've got isn't really going to last and so I think you, that's the point where it's, it all starts to slow down. And, and, and again, I think it is by design because I think it's it's almost trying to like, I, I think the film's trying to express that dread a little bit and it's trying to slow things down because that's what's happening to the characters. And I think, so I think it's fair. But just, just on a more general point, I think this movie is 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 very much trying to do that. It's very, it's very much trying to elicit an emotional reaction, and it's it's about, um, and that's about about the visuals, but it's also just about that real sense of, almost when you look at a painting. And I'm not a big you know not particularly a big art art into art. When but, was the last time you looked at a painting, Sam? Right, but but the point it was is, right after I wrapped <laughs> my eyes in in the towel. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. You know what go well with this? A good painting. A good painting. But the point is, right, art is okay. not about what you see necessarily in the picture. It's not about every single brush stroke. It's not about every single camera angle. If you're talking about film. It's about how it makes you feel. It's that it's that like yep. three second reaction, you know, to, to, to and I think that's what this film's about. It's about how it makes you feel. Yeah. In a way that I, I think we haven't done a movie like this before. It's much more about that real sense of emotional connection that you have with the characters, and then it's it's trying to bounce that back off against you. So I think when the movie slows down, I think it's almost trying to to be a bit more introspective, and it's trying to get the audience to do that as well to to, to elicit empathy. Do you know, in a way that I think other other movies haven't done, and that's one of the things that I really like about this film is how the connection that you can develop with the characters and, and almost uh, empathise with them in, in, and, and really connect with them in that sense, um, which is kind of funny because that's what the film's about. The fact the film is about those connections and those those human links that we create and, and, and the loneliness that can get in the way of that sometimes. You know what, Sam? I, um, I think that's very fair. And, like, you know, I was actually, while you were talking as well, I was thinking that... You know, the the movie could sort of it could sort of be like you know like the friendship itself you know at the start it's all very exciting and that's the first forty five minutes you know it's a great treat to watch and then as the sort of as this friendship becomes the becomes the norm it's less exciting but it's you know it's it's more uh, it's it's yeah it's it, it's 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 more of the norm so that's why it might seem like less uh, sort of less uh, gripping because it's no longer new and it's sort of exploring these like you said you know that they're sort of realizing that this may not last. Um, I, I think that's completely fair. What I would say though is it, it, I think it goes maybe too far with that because I or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, maybe you and Dave are just, you know, a lot deeper than I am, but I find myself, <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't argue. I, I wouldn't argue. <laughs> but, but I think it might've gone too far in that direction because I found myself disinterested then. Um, and again, that might be, you know, just down to, you know, taste or, you know, like I said, you guys no, may I think be... it's fair enough for us. Yeah. Mm. I think taste is an important thing in a movie. And, you know, and I don't think you're I don't think that what anything you're saying is, is wrong, Ross. I think that a movie like this, I think, especially once at that 15 minute mark, as we using it as a sort of like a, yeah. a stopper here is you're either in and you're like relaxed on the sofa and you just want to watch more of this yeah more of this story unfold in which case you probably aren't going to be looking at your watch thinking god is there another 20 minutes of this or what like but if you're not if by that point it hasn't quite hooked you then i think maybe it tapping on those brakes and you're having that slower scene mm -hmm. like like you said ross i think that absolutely can feel like you know third act drag and 
you know that slowing down of a movie and that like now you're just getting through a movie and you can go from you can go from enjoying a movie to just getting through a movie so quickly mm-hmm. and yeah. and I you know I would hesitate to say it's a flaw of the movie Ross um not because you're wrong but largely because I think that if it achieves what it's supposed to achieve, then 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 it kind of like solves that issue for Absolutely. itself. Absolutely. Yeah. And obviously, like you said, and taste is you know taste is everyone everyone's different and everyone enjoys well, things. It's like Sam said with art, isn't it? You know, like not everyone will appreciate the same thing. And I totally get that. Exactly. But it it, it is all it is also structural though. The movie is structured in this way. Like if you think about it, there isn't there isn't really a plot in 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 your traditional sense. You know, there isn't a plot. There isn't a there isn't a, a, a lowest point, you know, in the hero's journey. There's none of that. Really, we see... Like I said, it's quite non-traditional. I mean, um, again, it is, but, but, when we but talk about High Rise, we, we refer to it as a series of vignettes, and this is kind of this movie as well. Yeah, ah, I, although I, I, wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with, with this series, because I think, I think that does... I think High Rise definitely was, because it felt so disjointed. But I think what they, what they do is they replace the, 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 they replace the plot like here's a structure where things happen and that leads to this thing and that leads to this thing and then I think what they do is they they instead focus on the two characters coming together and so we don't we don't get a plot in that traditional sense but we get to see the 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 kind of feelings and experience of these characters and how those two tie together and I think I think that that is is maybe leads well, to that i absolutely that. agree sam what i mean by series of vignettes is that you have these two characters interacting in a series of interconnecting scenes you know we we get some walking to and from places but a lot of it is you know relatively they're in the karaoke bar they're at the hospital they're in the bar at the hotel you know um it's it's more of like a series of scenes and I know that sounds daft because all films are a series of scenes, but it's more like a series <laughs> I of. I don't agree. Do you know what I mean? It's what like, we, it's like we're looking. Movie. It's like we're looking through a window at these people, and it's like, you know. I, I don't agree. Looking... No, I, I don't agree. Don't. I think. Well, I, think I guess we'll just have more... to agree to disagree then. Well, no, I do, well, just just to explain why I think it's much more about. I think I think there's much more. Um, it's much more designed than that, and I think that it's about actually rejecting that idea because you can get rid of these scenes and i think later on ross you, you were complaining about the scene where he goes and plays golf um, I, 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 I wasn't complaining in, i wasn't complaining i merely said because you said there's not one scene oh no no that's fair here. enough and i was just pointing it out i wasn't complaining no no i think you could you could no no it's absolutely fine because you could remove that you could remove it and you could get rid of one of those vignettes as dave described but I think that if you do, it, it's almost like it's almost like the the pieces of the puzzle are all so reliant on each other. This is like one of those big globe puzzles. If you take one out, the whole thing's going to collapse. And I think that it's it's such a balanced and and again like precise as hell movie. I, I think you don't even when you first watch it. I'm not sure you can really. I'm not sure that you. It, it's apparent just how close everything is to falling apart. That's the thing with this movie. It's like it feels so close to the whole thing just being like really boring because you could have two quite weird characters who are quite unlike, you know relatively unlikable and, and if and if Bill Murray had pushed it a little bit further than he did, you'd get a guy who was a total dickhead. You'd also mm-hmm. get Scarlett Johansson who could turn into this like pixie dream girl um, trope really really quickly. You know that 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 could have happened, and then you could have them basically having this torrid affair. Behind the backs yeah. of of their of their prospective partners, and the film never goes that that no, close. But I You're think right. it has You're to right. it has to edge up to it, though, doesn't it? It has to edge up to them being them running I have, away. You know, I like, have like, to believed. be honest. I have to be honest. Like you know, like a couple of times, you know, like the scenes with Scarlett Johansson with her fella, and you know, <clears throat> excuse me, Bill with the you know on the phone to his wife. I thought they were going to try and portray. Know, the other halves is like you know the guy sort of like you know working and ignoring his wife and you know and then and then you find out that he's actually you know doing the dirty on her but like you say it's but it, but it, it's not real it's that real kind of blending of like um of of different i different ways to make a movie and i think this is 
it is presentational it's about what you can see and and uh, as we mentioned it uh they, they did spend a lot of time just walking around tokyo and, and picking up a camera and filming it you know and and just to see and you get so much of so much of the scenes comes from improvisation as well from bill murray so i think that makes a big difference because it, it's so light and it's so kind of um like almost fleeting some of it feels you know and, and there's 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 bits where in the, they're in the arcade and they're obviously just filming kids playing on these arcade machines and mm -hmm. and there's not really a lot of content there that, that that pushes the plot forward because there isn't one but at the same time all of that stuff is there to kind of build that tapestry build that picture up of of what you're feeling and what the characters are feeling and making that connection between the two and I think there's a there's a real cleverness to that. However, I completely understand if you when you're watching it, you're thinking, why did we just see that? Like I don't, I haven't learned anything from that. I haven't, it hasn't given me anything. And well, I think that is thing. a fair criticism to say. I saw a lot of those scenes, you know, like at the start, you know, and I have to say, maybe it's just because I was just loving it. But, you know, when Scarlet, she, she's, you know, visiting, the, you know, those Japanese shrines, the Buddhist temples, I was you know nothing happened i was completely in love with it but you didn't see as many of them again after our time stamp of 50 minutes you didn't see as many of those shots that sort of but yeah maybe it's just because i was taking it as a like a a tourist advert for japan i suppose i think i think ross it's probably fairer to say that it's after the turn in the movie which is when like i said it becomes a bit more slower place it becomes a little bit more melancholy as they kind of like fall out with each other um I think that there are less of those scenes because you get the scenes like Bill Murray playing golf and, you know, basically Scarlett Johansson wistfully just staring out of windows. Yeah, a yes, lot of that. Yeah. And a lot more of like that that almost claustrophobic loneliness that this movie kind of portrays throughout. Mm. But after that karaoke scene, we kind of like get a reinforcement of that for maybe sort of 15 minutes where there's again, just to kind of reinforce that disconnect with with everyone around them and, and to sort of like not reset us as such, but kind of set up the the next series of of scenes which i guess culminates in in bill murray sort of sleeping with that that um that singer and that's kind of like you know, do you know what i mean that's all the pieces falling out that's all the toys falling out the pram so to speak and that's, that's as far as this moment get this movie gets to an always lost moment really um, yeah towards the yeah. end there and it'd be good it'd be good to talk about the characters a little bit but i think there's it's worth maybe just touching on some of the background um of uh, sofia coppola um obviously a you know from from the from the the the, the family of uh, coppolas and they know what they're doing with movies uh, uh she, I mean, she obviously she had no help in her career whatsoever no oh, yeah, she's no, self-made what <laughs> godfather be, what nicholas cage huh? <laughs> to be to be fair to her she i think she is a very very accomplished filmmaker in her own right obviously yeah that's how that's how uh, that works. But no, I w I would agree. And this this was her first film. Second film, The Virgin Suicides Second was the film. first her first film, which I think is probably because of course it was worth worth doing. Yeah, I I think I haven't seen I have not seen that movie. Neither have I. But it's Kirsten Dunst, um, James Woods, Kathleen Turner, and Josh Hartnett. Early oh, roles. James I was Woods, gonna say James Woods. James say. Woods pulled that out of the park. I pulled that out of the park for you, Sam, because no other none of those names was getting getting me excited. Well, there we go. So that'll <laughs> be way, next week. Disclaimer for our imaginary audience: James Wood is not James Woods is not a person you should be looking for in movies. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, unless it's Hercules. No. Uh, no, still, yes. Or, still, you should not be looking for James or John Woods vampire. as a sign of quality. Or John Carpenter. John, I can't say his name. John Carpenter's vampires. Uh, I I'm going to go to bat for John Carpenter's vampires on this podcast. Not about that movie. As as a a really fun movie, if you buy everything that um, James Woods is selling, yeah. Well, Plus, the vampire movies from Sandin. Yeah, vampire stuff. We've done enough vampire movies. <laughs> but but so anyway, getting us back on track. Uh, Sofia Coppola, and she actually lived in Tokyo, and so I think a lot of this is 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 a bit of a kind of uh, a, a, you know a postcard well, the, to, to her Tokyo. Europe I think Ross shot, uh, project. Yeah, this Carlo Johansson character is kind of like based on her her experiences. As, it is as exactly, and, and and you in see Tokyo, you, I think you really see that. Like, I think you see that in the cinematography, and that's where I think it really you really see that expression of um, Coppola's obviously I think love. The word I for, use was um, 
love letter to Tokyo. Yeah, exactly. Her, to- her, her love, her love for Tokyo, and 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 almost, I think she talked about taking like a dreamy feeling in the film and, and really trying to to kind of create that that high of of going out and getting drunk when you're young and and doing that in Tokyo and what was what what a difference you know what a different experience that would have been um for her so i think when she's when she's mapping out that 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 film and that screenplay as you say david it's it, i think it's little scenes little little paragraphs i think is what she called it based on different experiences she'd had and then trying to kind of create a film out of that and again, again, this is why I think it's it's remarkable because that could go so badly. You could it could go so badly that you get all this disjointed weirdness that doesn't really um, doesn't really connect. the the other The other aspect of the behind of behind the scenes in the production is her pursuit of Bill Murray. Now she had um, a, a young <laughs> filmmaker who you know yes obviously has family connections but she didn't really use them to try and get to Bill Murray I'm not sure Francis Ford Coppola could do much anyway um, well can I just can I just fill in some background about Bill Murray I'm not gonna I'm not gonna snipe your bit as such but Bill Murray is famously difficult to work I heard. with difficult to get in touch with difficult to get a straight answer out of <laughs> well and did I mention difficult to get in touch with <laughs> yeah well well exactly the man so has he... never had an agent yeah, wow. he, he he has though he has an 0800 number effectively, where people can phone him, leave a pitch, and he sometimes gets back to them, and and this is basically what <laughs> I know. This is basically what a couple did for months and months and months. She would send letters and try and connect, you know, try and know anyone who could who could get in contact because she'd always written this uh, role for Bill Murray. And it was almost to the point of he, him saying yes, I'll do it, but he didn't sign a contract. And actually, I think even like the days before they're in Japan, they started shooting and Bill Murray was supposed to show up. They'd already committed, you know, I think they'd spent a million dollars to get to that point. And she wasn't still 100% sure that Bill Murray was going to turn up. And and I think... Do you know what the really shocking thing is though, Sam? Is that these stories about Bill Murray are present in almost every movie he's done. Yeah, and I think I think it they shows. weren't sure he was going to turn up for Ghostbusters until yeah. the day he turned up on set. Yeah, and it's like I think that's just how Bill Murray works, and it is insane that somebody can <laughs> behave like that and still be one of the foremost actors still of his generation. Work, yeah. <laughs> oh, because he doesn't need the work; he's doing it for 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 the for the love of yeah. But when you start knifing your career, Sam, you know what I mean? You can't. You wouldn't think you'd be able to afford the fucking piss people about but I think that Bill Murray has always behaved like this and it's astounding it's like hanging a sign on your nightclub that says oh no sorry we're full and just running on empty for months and months and months and months and months but he's good and that is the difference I think I think this performance and I think this is his best performance of his career I don't see you know there's and because it brings everything you get to see you get to see amazing comedy you know such well observed and well performed comedy alongside a performance that I think is 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 heartbreaking in in some some scenes, and the the, the scene when he's on the phone to his wife and he's trying yes. to he's trying yeah. to like open up a little bit, and he's trying to he's trying to he's drunk and he's saying, you know, oh, I miss you and 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 he's uh, you know why don't we do this and that and and he he's not getting anything back and and then he hangs up the phone and says oh well, that was a mistake and you can see yeah. that the real anguish. In his eyes, and I think I think it's under um, Bill Murray as a serious actor is underappreciated. I think you're right, and it's it's Bill Murray playing a serious role, and he's older and he's a bit more sedate, but he has not yet entered that Bill Murray only playing Bill Murray era. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Zombieland is a good example, but like Bill Murray, if he shows up in anything these days, is playing such a such an exaggerated version of of his own persona. Yeah. Whereas I think this film hits exactly the right time where you're going to get Bill Murray turn up and and act, and you're going to get you know a comedic actor who can who's also got some serious dramatic chops that we don't like. You said we don't often get to see. The the other obviously is Scarlett Johansson, and, and we, as we mentioned, she's seventeen, and she um, is is yeah an experienced child actor at this point, you know, and, and has done lots of different films. But this is this is her first breakout role. This is the role that I think really puts her on the map as being 
um, one of those one of those really uh, huge Hollywood names. I think Coppola described her as like a, a young Lauren Bacall um, when she was when she was looking out uh, for, for act- actresses for this film. And I think that really that really does make a lot of sense. There's a real connection there, I think, and just just that real everything down from obviously the way she looks but also her, her voice and everything there's a real something different there i think in in this i think she really manages to perform um something quite quite special in this in this film she, she yeah, does do an incredible that, performance i mean again like I, I keep going back to the age and, and that that shouldn't be that sort of like a badge of honor but the fact that she's 17 and she's able to tap into that sort of emotion. I think you were sort of alluding to this, Sam. You know, where she she's on the phone to like I think it's her mother or something. You know, and she's just you know she's starting to break down because you know the the isolation. She's literally crying. Yeah. I think. Um, and the, you know because the isolation. You know, like obviously her her husband's away. She doesn't know anyone, and the isolation is just getting through that much. And you know, tapping that into that uh, emotional depth was incredible. And I could, and again. Mm. If I was watching that scene again, knowing how old she was, I think it'd, again I'd be all the more impressed. It, so yeah, it was a, Very much it was so. a, it was yeah. an incredible performance. Again, <laughs> like that scene at the beginning. Not sure about that. Plus, um, think about it as well. Like, <laughs> yes, dear Hollywood, should we continue to sexualize? Yeah, dear Hollywood, just do you want to know? Stop. Do you want to know what she said? Just very quickly, Coppola said. I don't really have a good reason for it. It's just how I wanted to start the movie. I liked having the hint of character, a sweet young girl waiting around in a hotel room and then go into the story. So, okay, well, have her fucking, perverts. you know, watching TV. Don't show her arse. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I know, um, it's weird. Before you interrupt, Sam, I have a piece of trivia about this film. I was I was just going to go on to, in that vein, Dave. Yeah, we'll finish your point then, Dave. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say as well, like in that same vein of that beginning scene where you see your bears, I'm not sure if there's any sort of uh, ramifications either about having a seventeen-year-old in a strip club, or what would have been a strip club, you know, scene where there's just. I suppose Ross film it in Japan, and then it's the local yeah. law. I think. Wow. But that kind of connects it? to kind of connects to my next point actually. So um, before Sam unspools all of the trivia and robs us both <laughs> here, uh, this film is, has an interesting production history, because um, and it's not massively clear, but a lot of films, especially in the in the West. Um, and US films in particular tend to be funded by one major studio um, a lot of the time. And, you know, most of them are owned by Disney now. Yeah. <laughs> Submit to your <laughs> most so that's where, overlord. Exactly. So that's where they get their money from. And the way that usually happens is a director or, or a producer or a writer, somebody who sort of pitches the idea and will take the lead on that. They sell it to a studio and the studio says, great, we want to make this. Here are the things we want you to change. And here are the things you must do because that's how we make movies. Things like, you know, auditions, uh, saying who gets cast, yeah. uh, marketing, things like that. Um, and also the biggest thing with having a studio make it, apart from them giving you all the money, is distribution. Because they will then pay, to because it costs, obviously, they will pay to distribute your movie to the cinemas. Which is obviously like a really important hurdle to get past if you're making a movie. Especially if you were making a movie in 2003. Because or, you couldn't just release Or 2020. Oh, 2020. Um, so this movie, Sophia Coppola, did, I think a really smart decision where um, she didn't want a lot of studio notes. She didn't want a studio coming in and trying to make this a blockbuster. Mm-hmm. And so she secured funding from overseas, which sometimes happens with movies um, in America. Uh, sometimes when uh, a recent one we did was Lord of War. That was also funded by overseas, uh, like a selection of overseas. Oh companies. yeah, yeah. That was that was for political reasons, so that they could make it about guns, at, about no anti gun. Yeah. You know, in essence, um, at, but with this movie, Sophia Coppola did it because she didn't want any notes on it, and that allowed her to cast both Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson without auditioning them, something that would not have been possible, maybe with Bill Murray, but certainly not with Scarlett Johansson, wow. if she'd been under a studio, because they would have insisted. <laughs> on casting for this role and I think we probably would have gotten a, a, a higher profile actor who perhaps wouldn't have brought such such a rawness to the role that I think Scarlett Johansson brings and, and a youth and a kind of innocence and a, and a what's the word I'm looking for you know a frailty I think vulnerability. is a really important part of this yeah, yeah. vulnerability yeah that connection with um, but it's with because 
Yeah. And it's been, but it's because she secured funding from abroad, and then later she she arranged the distribution rights in the US, which, you know, props to Sofia Coppola because I think that, you know, as a, as a director and, and and when you're in charge of a project like this, I think that um you do often surrender. You know, and we've seen this with loads of franchises and and you know really popular directors, and we think, well, how did they produce that rubbish? And studios is the answer when you've got somebody who's holding holding the, the wallet mm-hmm. saying right, I want this, 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 and this, that's when you get things that you think... It's what? a movie by numbers then, isn't this? it? Exactly. And whereas <clears throat> this, whether you like it or not, is not that at all. And it's very much like Sofia Coppola's image. Yeah, it's about it's about the blending of those two things as well. It is, it is a, it is a, 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 you know, a kind of more artistic movie and it is... But it's, but it also is quite mainstream in that sense as well. I think that's why, that's to its success is that it manages to merge those two worlds um you get the weird expressionist you know cinematography alongside obviously a very or, or bill murray as a as a quite a famous uh, person at that point and then all of the other kind of more conventional stuff so i think that marrying of the two that american sensibility with the kind of you know obviously a lot of japanese crew as well so it all it all brings that together nicely i think it paid off as well in a literal financial sense. Uh, I think this movie cost four million to make, um, and internationally, I think the, the total box office growth is some growth is something like one hundred and twenty million. Wow, which I think is like you know obviously good money. I think domestically in the US it actually didn't do. It only made about forty five million. So the international market for this film was huge. I can see, which again yeah. it is quite interesting for a film starring Bill Murray. I wonder how it did in in Asian territories. I, I think there's see a lot about that. I don't there's certainly criticism of it of of from 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 you know from Japan. Of Not really surprising, saying, is it? Yeah, considering considering the 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 Orientist um, stereotypes and all that stuff. So, but I mean, it, it also won best original screenplay at the Academy Awards. So there's you know there is I think Ooh, an Oscar winner. Yeah, oh. yeah, which is which is really which is I think really. Uh, that's the strength of this movie is is the screenplay and it is that coming together. There's two things that I'd like to ask. There's two things I'd like to ask in this. The first is about the nature of their relationship. Now, do you <laughs> think do you think that they have a romantic relationship or a platonic relationship? Because I, I, I'm not sure. Do you know what? Up until uh, that sort of like the, the double kiss in the elevator, I was sure it was a genuine platonic friendship. And maybe the kissing in the elevator was like a drunken sort of thing because they had been drinking. So maybe it was just like a sort of like a you know a stupid drunken slop sloppy kiss. You know what I mean? Like poorly, poorly aimed or poorly timed. But up until then, I was sure that this was a sort of like a yeah friendship. And I, I don't see apart from obviously Scarlett's genuine age at the time. I don't see an issue with it being romantic. If it was apart from the legal issue, apart, apart from the statutory issue. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see it being like uh, an issue plot-wise for the two characters if it was ro- romantic. I <clears throat> I think, and here's his point for me. I think that the their the nature of their relationship changes throughout this movie between platonic and romantic, and but I think that until that end scene, I think. Both characters veer wildly from one to the other in quite, I think, a normal, not a, not a normal, maybe not the right word, but in quite a believable manner. I think that um, Scarlett Johansson and, and Bill Murray, they kind of each each have moments throughout this film where they kind of start to fall for the other one. And then the other one will do something to completely rebuff yeah. that. And the biggest example being when Bill Murray is discovered to have been slept with that singer. And that's kind of a moment where, you know, Scarlett Johansson is upset and she's jealous and she's, you know, but then she's, you can see her questioning why she's upset and jealous about that. And it's kind of like an introspective moment for her where she kind of has to assess the nature of their relationship. Um, And I think Bill Murray kind of goes from, you know, a fatherly sort of affection for this young woman to, you know, obviously feeling like they have a connection and and that's a connection he so obviously you know desperately wants that he doesn't have at home and he certainly doesn't have in this hotel which seems to only be inhabited by these two white people 
Anna Faris, Giovanni Ribisi, and a bunch of Japanese people. After after that scene where uh, Bill Murray sleeps with the with the singer, who was a real singer in that hotel. Um, oh really? The, yeah. The the uh, there's a line he says. I'm sorry. Was nobody lavishing attention at you? And I think it's yes. It, it it really gets to the core of what this what their relationship is about, and it's a it's a bit like a fling, isn't it? It's a bit like a fling. It's a bit of they they both they both found this connection with each other after feeling so disconnected from their lives and from the surroundings that they're in, and then they it's like that summer love of just slamming together and there's explosions and blah, and it's just so that intensity. But what I like, what I like, and I actually think this is a platonic relationship the entire time. I like that how they manage to walk on the knife edge all the way through the movie, as I mentioned before. But of never really tipping either way, they never really tip into it being a fatherly daughter relationship entirely. But they also never go the other way, it being sexual. And that that sense of whether or not it's platonic, I think, is such an vital and genius part of the movie because you're almost waiting I think wait- it's I think it's realistic commentary so with that with that you're almost waiting you're almost waiting every mm-hmm. single scene you're waiting for that um that tipping point yeah you're waiting for for her to lean over and and to have the romantic kiss and or you're waiting for the opposite side where it's rebuffed and they never give it to you, and it's so tantalising because you're you, you're expecting it. You've watched movies, you know what's going to happen. Yes, and it never does. Yeah. I think that I think that is such clever filmmaking. Yeah, and it, it, it's it's similar to sort of what what we were talking about earlier about you know, or what I mentioned earlier about the, the, the their other halves. You know, I, I was expecting you know to, that the husband be portrayed as this you know womanising guy who's sort of doing the dirty deed. You know, uh, you know, cheating on his wife, and likewise, Bill's wife would be like a, a cruel woman who doesn't appreciate him. But you don't get that. Mm. They're all flawed, aren't they? No, you don't. They're all flawed. Every single character mm-hmm. is flawed. Bill Murray sleeps <clears throat> with the with the singer. You know, if, if he's not, he's maybe had a kind of emotional affair, I guess, with with um, yeah Scarlett Johansson, the that's, wife that's a good of Bill Murray. There, yeah, the, the wife of Murray is very dismissive, but at the same time, you can kind of understand her feeling like he, women. He's in Am Japan I right, guys? Enjoying himself. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he's he's Dear Ross's enjoying wife, himself. Please don't punish him too bad <laughs> yeah. for that one. Yeah, please let him come out. Um, to I I think that <laughs> weird. I think that this is good commentary on on how people think and act. In, in a lot of ways, the Bill Murray, the, their their relationship with each other, and the way which it's foreshadowed. I mean, we were it's established that Bill Murray's wife, him, Bill Murray's having this com- crisis with his wife, where basically they're bogged down in the humdrum nature of like life. She tells him off for missing his kid's birthday. She faxes him pictures of bookcases, um, so that he can choose a bookcase from Tokyo for the house. <laughs> the and carpet like, samples. He's, yeah. They're bogged down in the minutia of being middle-aged, or you know, well, over middle-aged, I suppose. But you know, they're bogged down in that, and and you know, it, he's so he's at that time he is open to just like something new and fresh, and you know that personal connection that maybe maybe him and his wife don't have for whatever reason at that time. And at the same time, Scarlett Johansson's character, she's moved to Tokyo with with her husband. She's obviously very young, and they've only they've only been married a couple of years, and so she's having this crisis of confidence for two two reasons. Number one, she's in this place. She's thinking, "What am I doing here? You know, am I just following my husband around? Do I have an identity? What am I doing with my life? Not you know, as opposed to what mm-hmm. are they doing with their life?" Um, while at the same time, you have the introduction of the Anna, Anna Faris character to basically sow this seed of, you know, yes, am I everything my husband wants? You know. Am I can I can you know, am I even going to succeed at being a wife? And if I don't, what have I got? Because I'm here in Tokyo, like doing nothing and I don't know anybody and, and meanwhile my husband is off flirting with this, you know, incredibly attractive movie star and and so you have that crisis there. So she's quite receptive to just maybe just like a you know, a shoulder a shoulder to cry not cry on specifically, but just, you know, something to sort of latch on. Yeah. And and when she meets Bill Murray, they, they kind of have that spark that, you know, I think that, you know, you can have with somebody 
even if you're in a relationship, even if you're the happiest man in the world, you could meet somebody and have a, and have a spark with them. You yeah. Know? And I think that this movie portrays that really, really well because this, these are two people who, you know, in terms of circumstances, could not be more different, you know? Yeah. There's decades between them. Um, you know, their experiences don't match up at all, but they just have this, you know, this energy between them and, and they spend the whole movie trying to figure that out. And I think at the end... Like you said, Sam, I think I think it's kind of well done in that this doesn't go into an outright romantic film because I think both characters recognise that that would be a mistake and that you know even if that's what they wanted and they don't know what they want want that they don't you know neither of them ever commits to that. On the ending then, because I I think the ending is again I think it's a real masterstroke and just to describe it for anyone who hasn't seen it we we um, they say goodbye and it's it's incredibly awkward because they they're they're trying to like square this whole of well we don't know each other we're not you know we're not friends that have known each other for years like this is so so we're having this goodbye and and it's almost like a goodbye in the sense that you say goodbye to someone who you've been chatting to on a plane do you know what i mean you're well see you later have a nice life that's it i'm never going to see you again but they don't feel that they can have they've also got that emotional connection that, that they've yeah yeah so meaningful you know one in a way that that neither of them can really process so they say goodbye it's very awkward and then bill murray's driving driving away and he sees he sees scarlett johansson from behind runs up to her and we get one of i just think it's just lovely we get this scene where he whispers something in her ear and we don't know we don't know what what he whispers and they have a little kiss and they smile they go away and that's the end of the movie and obviously there's a question of what did they say uh, what did bill murray say to her which i think is a, is a good one but the thing that i the, the other my second question is do they go home to their respective lives feeling renewed does this like build them up to say actually I've had this. I've had this experience. I've had this connection with someone. I personally think it's platonic, but you know, either way, do, do they then go back and feel like that they can appreciate their lives better? Does just Bill Murray go back and say, "I'm really sorry for being, you know, for running away and being so distant," and and I think let's go away. Let's go do something to try and connect, get that connection back with their with his wife. And does something similar happen um, to? Scarlett Johansson character so I wonder do you think they go home renewed I, th- I think uh, I don't know if renewed's the word but I think like sort of uh, invigorated or inspired to sort of to, to, to make the most out of the life and what I mean by that is because he, he's sort of when he's in Japan he sort of is able to be on the outside looking into his relationship and basically you know, because the wife's looking after the kids and all. He, I think I, I would think that he he had he they he rather would go back invigorated. You know, wanting to make sort of more of an effort with his wife. You know, and, and so they can have like a fuller life and you know and, and enjoy their life more. Scarlett Johansson, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. because he doesn't seem he uh... seems her fella seems oblivious to it, like like that he doesn't even realize you know what's going on with her at all whereas well he's got those triplets to take care of ross he's very busy <laughs> yes friends joke classic um oh i got there i got to me a minute man, me a man minute. i was oh, I struggling <laughs> the cogs are turning in my head there so i mean to to summarize i think bill's character yeah he'll have gone home invigorated fresh outlook on life wanting to do it Scarlett's character, I'm not sure, purely because again, the, the fella doesn't seem that invested in the relationship. Like, maybe from the interaction I've seen of the two of them, he seems in, in, uh, you know into it on a sort of purely on a base level, like on on an exterior, but not. They don't seem. He doesn't seem that bothered about her her sort of well being, you know. And and like you, you can see that by the way he sort of interacts with you know. Anna Faris character, the attractive but vapid and you know, sort of, uh, you know, transparent sort of celebrity. And Great he's like, performance like, as well. 
Oh, I love her. Honestly, she is fantastic. Anna Faris playing Anna. Faris. I was gonna bring. I was gonna bring this conversation back to her in a sec because she is well, wonderful. Let me. We will. We'll. Br- I. I want to talk about Giovanna Ribisi a bit as well. So we'll. We'll loop back to those two characters. <coughs> yeah. Um. But Sam, please remind me what question you asked because we have gotten away from the point. Do 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 they do they go home to their after this fling feeling renewed feeling like they can, they can they they they, they can appreciate what they've got more. No. Um, <laughs> All right. Next question. Go, um, go on. No, I, I I have a justification here. I think I think that ultimately, as satisfying and as interesting and as fun a film as it is to watch, I don't think these characters resolve anything. I don't think these characters really learn anything and i don't mean that as a as a as a bad thing about this movie i just think that bill murray is going to go away and go home and he's always going to remember this two week or two weeks he had in tokyo where he met this amazing girl and what could have been if only there were you know if only there weren't all those obstacles and etc etc but he's still going to go home he's still not really going to like his wife he's still going to be a fading movie star you know he's still going to forget his kid's birthday He's still going to sleep with sing, you know, lounge singers on business trips. I don't think anything changes there, and I think the Scarlett Johansson character is similar. I think that this is a, this film is a moment in time for both of these people, and I think that, you know, her relationship with her husband we don't get a lot of, so we can't really comment on it. But they're young, and she hasn't really found herself. She doesn't really know what she wants, you know, who she wants to be or what she wants to do, and I think that. You know, once this photography job is over and they they're back in the states at home, you know, I think that maybe they just settle into married life, much like anybody else at that age in their situation would. And again, this becomes this this weekend in Tokyo that maybe both of these characters think about in maybe like a wistful way, but ultimately, you know, don't. It's not mm-hmm. it's not earth shattering. It's not changed yeah. their lives. I don't well, think. I, I... I I I kind of don't know what I think, and that's why I asked the question because I've been interested to hear what you think. Just very quickly, I've told you what you should think. I've just spoken. No, no, no. Yeah, no. Thank you. Just very quickly, because <laughs> I think we should we should maybe look at wrapping up. But I think I kind of agree with Ross in that I don't think Scarlett Johansson's character goes back and has a renewed sense with her husband. I think maybe what she does gain though is a renewed sense of herself, and that's. Kind and the the film the film could maybe explore that a little bit more, but that's kind of what I think she's going to come away from this thinking. You know what? I don't have to sit here while my boyfriend goes off and does cool stuff. I can I can kind of plot my own course a bit more. I can challenge him where I need to and say, hey, like it's not all about you, you know. Um, her husband, sorry, but I think Bill Murray's the one that's interesting to me, and that's the one I I kind of. Like the optimist in me thinks he goes home and he realizes that human connection is about what you put into it as much as it's about the circumstance and the place and that being in Tokyo and being with this this woman is actually reminding him what he could have and what he could work on and develop with his with his wife again and his kids as well you know to have that connection there so but yeah so it, I think separates don't learn new tricks Sam. Yeah, it, well, maybe, maybe, but I think I think what I like is in terms of the filmmaking is that it leaves you with those questions and and it doesn't again it doesn't tie up the bow for you and give it to you on a plate. It really asks things of you, and I think that's a nice thing to to have in a, at the end of a movie. So we want to talk about these two characters, and then we should maybe just get to final thoughts. So do you want to go with Anna Faris first, Ross, or am I, am I Giovanni Robising it? Uh, uh, Faris. Um, I just Farris. think she, she, Farris me. Oh, Farris, share you. I just think she's a Brilliant. sort of like a refreshing sort of character in this movie. You know, that's so that's so down to earth about these characters. You know, sort of experiences and, and meeting each other, and then she comes in and she just upsets the whole flow. Uh, and the way she does that is, you know, by portraying like David says, Anna Faris playing Anna Faris, when she plays this. You know, the, the, like I said before, this vapid. You know, uh, celebrity type that's purely about you know the the aesthetics and how she looks and you know there's on one of the few scenes she's in she you know they're talking you know and they're saying oh yeah you know they're just having random conversation and then she and then she'll just abruptly go oh I'm doing this cleanse you have to do this cleanse promise me you'll do this cleanse promise me you'll do this cleanse and I just I don't know why I enjoy her so much but she, I thought she was brilliant in this movie. 
Um, she's a good character in this movie. She's a real bright spot. Yeah. Um, I would agree generally. <clears throat> I also like the scene later on in the movie when she when we see her again singing uh, when Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson yeah and they see her singing and they both sort of share this moment of God isn't she pathetic? <laughs> like even though they've also been at a karaoke yeah. bar, like it's just quite a nice sort of like revisit of that character and maybe like a bit, bit of superiority for, for Scarlett Johansson there mm-hmm. over this woman who she sort of like, you know, you know she views as trying to steal her man, so to speak. Uh, yeah, so that's me on Anna Paris. I think she's brilliant and I'd love to see more of her in movies, in movies. Does everybody else confuse Charlotte Booth and Giovanni Rubisi all the time? Or is it just <laughs> no. me? I, think it's I, don't know, I don't know what's wrong with me. I, if you'd asked me a week ago, I would have sworn this was Shia LaBeouf. And I know it's not, having watched it. I'm like, how could I possibly think that was Shia LaBeouf? How? But it's mad. It's mad and it's maddening. Um, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, Dave, that I've never had that difficulty. Um, <sighs> I don't I think, know what it is. It I think this might be more Sam's time. speed, though, because we know he's terrible at names. names. Sam? Uh, no, no, I, this has always been... I, I like um, Ravisi. I think he's, I think he's good in whatever he does. But never confused. Wow. Me. So, so Dave, even Sam, who we all know is terrible with people and names, he gets it right. So I don't know. I don't know, I don't know where it stems from. I don't know if it's just like Charlotte's early sort of like nervous, nervous guy with curly hair. I don't know what it is because these guys don't even really look alike. Well, um, Dave, when you cut their face out of magazines and then cut the eye holes out, maybe that's why. <laughs> maybe that's why you're confusing them so much. <laughs> What, am I at a dentist or something? Where the fuck am I getting a magazine from? (laughs) He prints them off the internet. He's cutting up iPads. It's very, very expensive. The great thing about the the internet, guys, is if I wanted, if I wanted, and I don't, just to be clear, our audience, if I wanted pictures of Giovanni Rabisi, a face mashed up with Shia LaBeouf, it's out there on the internet right there. If you enjoyed this away. episode and want to send in your pieces of art, please mail it to uh, dave at hotmail.com. <laughs> yes, my email address is dave at hotmail.com. Nice email address. <laughs> would you like me to give out your real email address? <laughs> no, I would not. <laughs> uh, let's go final thoughts. Dave, do you want to start? Um, I like this. I like this movie. I enjoyed it a second time. Uh, it was interesting watching it with that critical lens. <laughs> Uh, the first time I saw this, I really, really fucking enjoyed it. Absolutely phenomenally enjoyed it. This time, maybe a little less so, perhaps because I was looking for the cracks, and there are a few there. I would, I would recommend this movie to someone else because I can, I can see the appeal to other people and how they enjoy it. For me, the second half was a letdown. Um, You'd recommend it, but you wouldn't watch it with them. Uh, yeah, no, and I don't like uh, not just to my enemies, but I can because I can see how people would enjoy it. <laughs> But what Ross I'm saying is, is, please email him that Ross at him <laughs> artmail.com. Yeah. Uh, Ross, but uh, sorry, uh, yeah, I wouldn't watch it again, but I can see the appeal for other people, so I would recommend it, but I wouldn't have a, a repeat. And I, yeah, I've obviously really, really <clears throat> liked this movie. It's one of those films that is, um, it, I think it, you know, those films that just you have a connection with, and and you kind of just love everything about it, and you understand that there's. Like there's flaws to it, and and criticism that you've levied upon, I think is completely fair. But I think the 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 experience of watching it and and the way the just the the delicacy and and how I think exquisite the filmmaking is, I think just elevates this to um to to you know a real favorite of mine. Um, and I think also it, just from like a personal point of view, there's a connection to the story. I think that sense of like. Of, of fleeting of, of trying to capture something fleeting i think is uh, it really connects with me and I, and I think it manages to it manages to show some a real kind of truth of human experience in a way that other films try and do and fail spectacularly so it's that combination of something really good to say and the way the precision and the craft that goes into making it and that's those two come together i think it's i think it's very very good movie well, uh, that appears to be it for another episode of the Imaginary Music, um, music. Imaginary music Movie Podcast. Nice. Oh, the music um, in this film is just... great, by the way. I think it's, I love yeah. the music in this movie. Yeah. That first shot with the with the with the 
I'll put it at the end of the podcast, but the first shot with Bill Murray in a taxi, love it. Love that. It's just great. So atmospheric. Yes, something we we have run out of time for, I'm afraid. Um, so the Imaginary Movie Podcast bids you a good night. Um, I was going to say Ross play us out, but Ross has no musical talent because he's worthless. Um, that checks so instead, out. That's pretty much true. Yeah, spot on. <laughs> We're all worthless, just to be clear. Um, I'm just worth less. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You're on the money. Um, so we will see you next week. We will be watching uh, a mobster movie called Bound, which I do believe Sam and Ross have not seen before. Oh, excellent. So I'm excited for this. We'll see you next week. And um, just on the off chance, if Bill Murray is listening to this, we would love to have you on the podcast. That seems <laughs> yeah. as good a way as any yeah. to get Yeah, we, we actually have an 0800 number, built, so um, <laughs> we'll put that in the details. You can call, call it. We'll get back to you, maybe? We'll get back to you, all right? Just, go, just email sam at hotmail.com. You'll be, you'll get it. <laughs>